to you today about something so very important, and that is hope. I want you to stand with me for the reading of the word. I'm going to read one verse. But the resurrection, how many of you are here because Jesus got up from the dead? Amen? That's why we're here. He didn't get up, we're not here. But that's why we're here. And I'm calling this the hope of the resurrection, or the hope that the resurrection brings. 1 Peter 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, everybody say it with me, living hope. And that's a unique kind of hope. Living hope. Hope that's alive. Through, where did it come from? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Lord, let your word live in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, hope. You can be seated. Thank you. Mm. It's almost like if I can't preach after that choir, I can't preach. Amen. Every day, more and more people, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed, more and more people are taking a fresh look at Jesus Christ. Because of what our world is experiencing right now, it's, it's perilous times. We're living in perilous, dangerous, troubled, stress-filled times. And when those kinds of times grip the planet, people start looking uh, for answers. Because I'm not going to find all the answers this way. There's got to be a transcendent answer, something this way. Something beyond the veil. Something beyond what my five senses can perceive. There's got to be more. I need hope. I need an answer. I need to make sense of this. We're looking at a culture of runaway violence. Every week we're greeted with some new shooting, some slaughter of innocent people, rampant moral confusion, international nuclear saber rattling, China, Russia, other North Korea threatening America. High-level political unrest. Uh, People are looking for answers. And many are wondering about Jesus in a fresh way. You know, we tend to think with the culture this way, they're not going to be interested in Jesus. Ah, contraire. They're interested in Jesus a lot right now. In our first service, I preached the gospel, gave the invitation, and my uniform bodyguard came up to me, and I thought he came up to me to take me out of the service, but I saw tears flowing down his face, and he said, I prayed with you, and I got, gave my heart to Christ, my bodyguard. Any bodyguard that I've ever had always got saved, and, and they're no good to me after that because they're worshiping instead of watching out for me. We had a lot of people come to Christ in the first service. But why would people be looking at Jesus today? Well, because he was completely unique in the history of the world. There's nobody like Jesus in the history of the world. Not anybody. Not Napoleon, not Buddha, not Muhammad. Nobody. 
Show me a great known historical figure, not Julius Caesar. Nobody has impacted history remotely like Christ. He's unique. The the prophetic predictions of his coming, prophecy paved the way for him. And multitudes of prophecies were fulfilled with the arrival of Christ to the world. His birth, his life, his teachings. They said no man teaches like this man. No man teaches, explains life and God like this man. His miracles, walked on water, raised the dead, opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears, multiplied bread to feed thousands. Nobody did what Jesus has done. Nobody. Nobody. His death on the cross. His resurrection above all. That's why we're here today. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Jesus is history's greatest event. Nothing replaces the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It is where history begins and ends. Time itself is divided. B.C. before Christ. A.D. Anno Domini. The year of our Lord. Even the coins in your pocket. I've got a quarter. I can't get to it. Don't need to. There it is. Here's a quarter. On this quarter, there's a date. 2023. You know what that's telling us? It's been 2,023 years since the birth of Jesus. Even our coins testify that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus got up again. Amen. Now, one thing about Jesus, it's a a fact that whether or not he got up from the dead validated whether or not he was who he said he was. His, His resurrection validated everything he said and everything he did. Jesus repeatedly made the statement to those listening to him, vast crowds or his disciples alone, he repeatedly said, they're going to kill me. And when they kill me, I'm going to get up on the third day. Jesus predicted his own resurrection. Now, either you are completely insane or you are who you say you are. Because normal people don't say, I'm going to die, but after I die, get ready. At my funeral, I'm getting up. We would say, "Uh uh-huh, and you have felt this way how long? (laughs) Jesus said, an example, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. I'm getting up from the dead. On the third day, not the fourth, not the fifth, not the second, not the first, not the tenth, the third day. I know exactly how I'm going to die, and I know exactly when I'm going to get up. Jesus said that. Have you thought about that? Have you really stopped to consider that? This man, Jesus, predicted a supernatural, miraculous resurrection of his body from a dead Dead as dead can be. Matthew 17. And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, 
The Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. He'll be raised on the third day. He said it again. Even the angels that were there at the empty tomb, when the women went to anoint Jesus' body for burial, they were, as we would say today, a day late and a dollar short, because he was already up. And the Bible says that the angels quoted Jesus. They said to the women, he's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you. Now they're referring to what he said. They're quoting Christ. They said, remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified. He knew how he would die. And on the third day be raised again. The angels quoted Jesus. And he said to the disciples, remember? He said to these women that had followed him, do you remember? He said this. Muhammad didn't say that. Buddha didn't say that. They're still in the grave. No one said that but Jesus. So what he did when he said these things, he laid it all on the line. He said, here's the acid test. Here it is. Here's the litmus test. I mean, if I am who I said, I'm getting up from the grave. If I'm not who I said, then I'm a fraud. I'm a phony. And I'm just going to fade quickly into the shadows of history as just another kooky guy who said kooky things. No. And when I say resurrection, let's be clear. We're not talking about resuscitation. Resuscitation is when you die and they bring you back to life in time before all the brain cells are gone and you can no longer function. So if you're going to be resuscitated, it's got to happen quickly. He was not resuscitated. There's thousands of people on planet Earth right now who have died and been brought back to life by a medical device, CPR, something. And they can say, oh yeah, I died, but I was resuscitated. Jesus was not resuscitated. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus, amen. Jesus was dead three days and three nights. Nobody comes back after three days and three nights. Unless you are who you say you are, the very son of the living God. You know, when you read the the preaching, the messages the apostles preached, the resurrection was always at the core, it was the target of their message. They were persecuted for preaching the resurrection. They were commanded not to preach the resurrection. So don't you go out there and preach that he rose from the dead. And they would look at the people that hung, them on, hung him on the cross, and they would say, you murdered him. But he got up from the dead. They said, don't go say he got up from the dead. You can't preach the resurrection. But they did. Over and over again, that was their message. And we need to be preaching that more and more and more in Western pulpits. We're not here to give you a motivational seminar. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ got up from the dead. To them, the resurrection validated everything Jesus said about himself. The resurrection was the validation of Jesus. No resurrection, no Christianity. No resurrection, no hope. No resurrection, no forgiveness. If there's no resurrection, 
Let's go home, watch reruns of I Love Lucy, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die if there's no resurrection. If Christ has not been raised, Paul said, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of everybody the most to be pitied. Because we've just got another religion, another set of rules and regulations, but we don't have a living Savior. So it's pitiable if it's not true. But Jesus did rise again. I said, Jesus did rise again. We just had a choir sing it in a marvelous way. We, he did rise again. Amen? And I want, to hear, want you to hear a powerful verse. Because, because he got up, we're getting up. Watch this. The fact is that Christ did actually rise from the dead and has become the first of millions. The first of millions. Everybody say, I'd be one of those. The first of millions who will come back to life again someday. Amen. Amen. And you know that Paul and 11 of the 12 disciples went on to willingly give their very lives to preach the resurrection of Christ. They were all martyred but one. Now you might be wondering, how does the, res- the resurrection matter to me today? What does it matter to me? Come on, preacher. How does it matter to me? Tell me why it matters. That's 2,000 years ago. Why, why does it matter to me? I'm going to give you one word. Because of hope. Hope. Jesus' resurrection brought hope to a hopeless world. Hope. Now what's hope? Hope is when you've got a confident expectation of something good coming in the future. Some people wake up with no hope. They have no hope that tomorrow is going to be better than today. They have no hope there's any way out of their situation. They have no hope that anything can ever change. They're without hope and without God in a hopeless world. They don't wake up with hope. They wake up with dread. They wake up with depression. They wake up with despair. Peter called the hope that Jesus brings a living hope. Well, he said in his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So I'm going to talk to you about three kinds of hope, or three ways the hope that we have in Jesus is living. And as I go over these, I want you to be thinking, do I have that hope? Do I have that hope? Do I have that? Do I wake up with that hope every day? First, it's the hope that won't let you down. Peter calls it a living hope. Well, there's a living hope. There's got to be a dead hope. So what's a dead hope opposed to a living hope? Dead hope is when you put your hope in something that can't come through, that doesn't come through, that won't come through, that fails you, that lets you down. We do this all the time. We're very, very inclined as God's creations to hope in something. There's nobody listening to me. It doesn't have hope in something. Those of you that are watching from home, welcome. I want to tell you, you've got hope in something. Here's the question. Is it a living hope or a dead hope? Is it a living hope or is it going to fail you? You place your hope in things that don't come through, that do let you down, that disappoint. The Bible says it makes the heart sick when you don't get what you hoped for. 
Eventually you hope and you hope and you hope and it doesn't come through. You get up finally very jaded, very cynical, and you don't enjoy life anymore. The spark is gone. The fun is gone. The happiness is gone. Life has become a drudgery, a routine, a boring system where you're like a hamster on the hamster's wheel going like this but getting nowhere. People place their hope in things all the time. We place our hope in money. It fails. Place your hope in people. It fails. Place your hope in politicians and they fail. Place your hope in government. It fails. You place your hope in other beliefs. Here's the thing. We're let down all the time by things we put false hope in. And that makes our hope a dead hope because it doesn't come through. It makes our hearts sick. I've seen people achieve all their goals Make a boatload of money. Retire with all the money in the world you could think of. They could easily take their money and go live on the golf course until the day they die. But they reach the end having achieved all of this and there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. What they thought would make them happy doesn't make them happy. We go to this relationship, that relationship, another relationship. We say, I'm a hopeless romantic. You know what you're admitting? I put hope all the time in this relationship and this one and this one. And every time they let me down, but because I'm a romantic by nature, it's hopeless. I'm going to do it again. And this is the relationship that's never going to let me down. And then it does. And we get jaded. We get weary of life. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. With what? The futility of life without God, it always lets you down. And here's the danger, that you put your hope in something that promises to save you, your eternal soul, and it fails you. My good works will get me into heaven. Being a good person will get me into heaven. Looking to this religious leader, that religious leader, this religious system, that belief system, and it lets you down. But the danger there is, you're not, your life is now over. You're facing eternity without the living hope. It's a dead hope. And it lets you down. When you need it to hold you up and be true more than at ever any time in life. Hope springs eternal, we say. Yeah, I believe in hope. People believe in hope. What do you believe in? I believe in hope. Hope in what? Well, I'm not sure, but I believe in hope. I'm hopeful. We're living in a time when hope has taken a beating. Please know that's the where your culture is right now. And that's where many of you are now. Hope has taken a beating. Experts tell us that America has gone from the greatest generation. My dad was in what we call the greatest generation, the post-World War II generation. And now they're calling this generation the hopeless generation. But they're doing it based on polls that have been taken. A recent poll found that 51% of young Americans are feeling depressed with a negative outlook on life. Suicide among teenagers is at an all-time high, and also every age group. A sense of hopelessness has gripped much of our nation. I need hope. I need hope. In 1947, what is called the Doomsday Clock was created as a metaphor for threats to humanity, such as nuclear threats. So they created this Doomsday Clock. 
1947. The number of minutes or seconds away from midnight is reassessed in January of each year. The clock's original setting in 1947, when it was created, was seven minutes to midnight. So seven minutes to midnight, that doomsday clock was saying, we've got seven minutes to catastrophe. The farthest time from midnight since it was created was 17 minutes in 1991. Don't know why, but in 1991, 17 minutes. And the nearest of all time is 90 seconds, and that was set this year, January 24th, 2023. So much of our world now believes that uh, we are 90 seconds from a global catastrophe. No wonder hope is on the endangered species list. Young people don't feel hope because they're raised in evolution. You're just a mistake. You're something evolution spit onto the earth. There is no transcendent reason for you to even be here. How can they have hope? You can't have hope with that. I have hope because I have a transcendent relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. if, If all I did was look at the world this way, I wouldn't have hope, but I've got this way, vertical. I look up to God, and when I look up to God, He gives me living hope through Christ. I want to tell you, real hope comes from Jesus Christ. If you want to have hope, start there. Go to the foot of the cross. Get right with God. For there Jesus bled and died for your sins and mine, and He brings hope. He's a ray of hope. He's like a spotlight shining into a cold black night. And it says hope. Hope in me. Find hope in me. There is hope in Christ. There's not hope anywhere else. The Bible says we have been made right with God because of our faith. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this hope will never disappoint us. Yes. If you place your hope in Jesus and in the promises of God, then there will never be a time you walk away and say, God let me down. God failed me. God walked away. Those things I was hoping for didn't happen. No, it will always come to pass when your hope is built on Jesus Christ and nothing else. As the song says, I love this old song, and it gets Cindy to sing it sometime. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Can we say that together? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Come on, everybody. Then the the hope that he gives, part of the living hope, is that good will ultimately conquer evil. If you're like me, you look over our world, you look at the despair, the crime, the moral anarchy and insanity, the hatred so prevalent in our culture right now, the polarization of Americans just right down the middle almost, this terrible polarization, conflict, antipathy towards one another. You look at it, And it looks like evil is winning the day. But the resurrection of Jesus says otherwise. 
Resurrection of Jesus says evil will never conquer good in the long haul. Evil will never win in the final day. It is always God that will say checkmate. Checkmate. Amen? Why do you say that, Jeff? Because the crucifixion of Jesus was the most wicked event, most wicked, heinous crime in the history of mankind. The crucifixion, the murder of Jesus Christ. There's never been a more wicked crime committed on God's planet than when Jesus, the Son of the living God, who was innocent, pure, spotless, sinless, was killed and murdered. He was railroaded, carried through a phony, illegal, and totally evil trial. It was kangaroo court. The Bible records it was all a scam. It was a scam that crucified Jesus. It was a pack of lies. The Bible says the chief priests and the elders sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. They were looking for a few good liars. And they found none. Nothing stuck. They tried this and that and the other, but nothing stuck. It says many false witnesses came forward, but to no avail. Because you couldn't find anything on him. There was nothing on him. You couldn't prove a thing on him. Because he hadn't done anything but good. He went about everywhere doing good and only good. And delivering all that were oppressed of the devil. That's all he ever did. And then to add insult to injury, the chief priests and the scribes, the religious teachers of the day, the church leaders of the day, incited the crowd, the angry mob, to ask for the release of a murderer instead of Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. They released a cold-blooded murderer instead of the glorious Son of God. It was crazy. But it was all God's plan. The Lord of glory, who never did a solitary thing in all of his life, wrong, was beaten over lies, crucified, slapped, spit on, mocked, ridiculed, long thorns in a crown, thrust down upon his sacred head. There were seven different ways he bled, not just the cross. Seven different ways, starting in Gethsemane. He sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. He bled seven different ways, primarily on the cross, for nothing. Legitimate. Stem to stern, start to finish, the whole thing was a great big scam. On Friday, it looked like evil had won the day. If you've been around on Friday, even his own disciples were hiding behind locked doors because they thought evil had won the day. They thought their hero was gone. But Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. And, and I want you to listen. Even when you've been attacked, you have your Friday. Some of you are in your Friday right now. In your life, it looks like evil has won the day. Right now, it's Friday in your life. But when God is in your life, Sunday is always coming. Sunday is always coming. I said Sunday is always coming. Sunday is always coming. Friday may be here, right? It may look like those that betrayed you, those that hurt you, those, what has happened to you. 
It looks like evil has won the day. But my Bible says he makes everything work together for the good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Because as Jesus was vindicated, all of God's children are vindicated. God will turn what was meant for evil for the good of those who love him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record that on the third day before the sun rose, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Total evil was defeated by total good. And the last thing I want to mention about the living hope is this, the hope of eternal life. No other hope has this. You can hope in a lot of things, but none of them deliver eternal life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die Even though they die, they will live. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's what he said. Will never die. And he tagged this statement with a question. Here's the question. Do you believe this? He said to Mary and Martha, do you believe this? See, if you you believe in me, you will never die. Your body may die, but I'm going to come back to get you. That where I am, there you may be also. The trumpet is going to blow one day. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Even though your body dies, you're going to get up again. Because he was resurrected. You will be resurrected who have placed your faith in him. Jesus said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Can I ask you, do you believe this? You say, yes, Jeff, you better know I believe this. Ah, do you? An aspirin doesn't do any good unless you take it. You can look at that aspirin and say, that's an aspirin. And the bottle says it'll get rid of my headache. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Now, you got a pounding headache. I believe that. Sure, I believe it. Do you? You don't believe it unless you take it. A life raft can come your way if you're drowning in an ocean. You can say, that's a life raft. Yep, that's a life raft. And I believe that it would save me if I got in it. But if you don't get in it, you don't believe it. No, you don't believe it. There can be an exit door in a burning house. You can see it. Say, yep, there's an exit door. Yep, this house is on fire. I'm doomed. But if you don't go through it, you don't believe it. If you believe it, you're putting feet to your faith. If you believe it, you're going to step out on it. If you believe it, then it's good enough to place your trust in. You don't trust it until you get in that life raft. You don't trust it unless you go through that exit door. You don't trust it unless you take that aspirin. Our country's full of, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Really? Are you? But have you gotten in the life raft? Have you gotten in it? Are you in it? Being around it won't save you. Saying you believe it's there won't save you. You got to get in it. Are you in it? What does that mean, Jeff? It means you place your faith in him. You place your faith in him. Not just, oh yeah, I believe he's a historical figure. He's back there somewhere. And I believe he did what he said. 
And yeah, it looks to me like he was raised from the dead. But see, this is not intellectual assent we're talking about. Do you place your faith in him? Have you asked him to forgive you your sins, which are many, as were mine? And have you committed your life to him as Savior and Lord? You've got to get in the boat. You've got to get in it. Are you in it? Or are you just looking at it? Well, all my life I've been in church, Jeff. I've heard, I've been to Sunday school. I've even taught Sunday school. So what? That doesn't mean you got in the boat. We see people all the time walk away from church, and they clearly never got in the boat. you got to get in that boat. When I heard the gospel, and I closed with this, I was in a juvenile detention home, and I was 16 years old, and I had never heard ever the gospel. I'd never heard John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I'd never heard it until I got in juvenile home. But when I heard it, something in me said, that's true. Now, then I knew this was my moment. Matter of fact, I knew if I didn't seize the moment, only darkness lay ahead for me. I knew that this was an hour of visitation. I knew that God was knocking on the door of my heart. I knew it. You say, how did you know? Well, now I understand it was the Holy Spirit. Because my flesh isn't going to tell me you need God through Jesus Christ. The devil sure isn't going to tell me you need to turn to Christ. No, it was the Holy Spirit saying, what you're hearing is true. This is your moment, your hour, your day, your chance to run through the exit door and get out of the burning house. Get in the life raft while the getting is good before you die or before you make mistakes you can't recover from. Get in. And that night, I was the only one out of about 50 other juvenile delinquents. I got up and I prayed, Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. And when I did, something happened to Jeff Wickwire. It was supernatural. Stand up with me, would you? I'm going to ask you again. I want you to forget about the people that are around you. Forget even who you came with for a minute. Let's just, you and me, talk. Have you gotten in the boat? Have you gotten in the life raft? Have you genuinely come to Christ where, where we can look and see that from the moment you say you did, you're a changed person? Not perfect, but changed. New way of life, new beliefs, new direction. Can you? Because when you've been raised from the spiritual dead, that's a marker in your life. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And you can pray it like many did in the first service, like my bodyguard did. See, God's as close as a prayer. So I'm going to ask us to bow for a moment of prayer, can we?
every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray a prayer for you to to come to Christ. I'm not judging you, nothing. I was saved in jail. How can I judge you? I love you. He loves you. And I'm also going to pray that if you've drifted, you will come back right now. I invite you to come back to the peace of God. So pray this with me right now. Here we go. If you've never prayed in your life, you can pray. Pray this. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again from the dead so that I can be saved. Lord, please forgive me my many sins and come into my heart. I commit my life to you as my Savior and Lord. And Lord, forgive me for drifting and getting far from you. Lord, I'm returning to the center of God's will today to walk with you in discipleship again. In Jesus' name I pray. And with your head bowed, you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. I want you to lift your hands right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you, but just put them up. Right all over this place, put them up. I prayed that prayer with you. I prayed that prayer with you. All over the sanctuary, praise God. I see so very many. And listen carefully, I'm about to close the service. As soon as I close, please come this way. Everybody that raised your hand, look up at me. Uh, way back in the back, the, the ones that prayed with me in the first service, they were way back in the back, but they came down. I'm going to ask you, as soon as we close the service, I want you to come down. Would you do that? Because I want to give you something to take home with you that I've written for you. And I want to meet you because, listen, you need to tell somebody you did it. Why not tell me? All right? Because I want to rejoice with you. So as soon as we dismiss... You come down. And if you're, uh, you're with family or friends, they'll wait for you. And believe me, you'll get a better seat at the restaurant if you come down now. All right? And I want to quickly tell you about, how many of you are glad that Jesus gave us living hope? Living hope. 